If you have your Bibles this morning, and you would, find uh, Mark chapter 6 with us. And as you're finding Mark chapter 6, I have a card I would like to read this morning. Ten Mile Church family, you are very special to us. We cannot thank you enough for the, loan, the love you have shown to us during the passing of our dear mother, Voris Adams. The food, the text, calls, visits, and especially the prayers were such a blessing. We love you all from the Monty and Shelley Adams family. So continue to pray for Monty and his family at the passing of his mother. And as we come to Mark chapter 6, if you've been with us, uh, you know that uh, it's been an interesting chapter. Uh, It's been a challenging chapter if you just look at it from the context of all of the issues that have been going on. And now as we're in our fourth week of this sermon series, and with all that has been going on in so many of your lives and the life of this church, if you remember we started out in this chapter looking at how Jesus was rejected and how uh, those that loved Him the most or should have rejected Him. And then we looked at how the disciples were sent out and He told them, you will be resisted. You know, you're going to face opposition. And then as the Lord was still working in all of that brokenness, we hear the story because Herod was thinking, who is this? What is going on? And so we're told the reminder of what happened to John the Baptist. And so we have a chapter full of rejection, resistance, loss of life. And so all of this challenge, all of this pain, all of this difficulty. And as we come to this, we see that even in the midst of all of these things, Jesus was at work in his hometown, the disciples were being used by God, and that John the Baptist was being faithful, that the message was being preached, even though in the middle of all of this mess, God was still at work. But when we come to verse 30, it's very important to know that the miracle that we're going to look at is one of two, the only two miracles in the Bible that are recorded in all four of the Gospels are the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Him feeding the multitude. Well, why is that important? Because if it's the only two in all four, there's something that God wants from us. And so right here in this chapter of rejection, of resistance, of loss, of pain, of difficulty, of challenge, here comes this miracle. This miracle that is known by almost everyone. Even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard someone mention or talk about this miracle. And I believe it is because in the middle of our pain, our difficulty, our challenges, and our loss, God wants to remind us that He is not absent, that He is not far off, that He has not gone to sleep in the situation that you face. And so today, if you would pray with me, we will jump right in. Father, today we come to you thanking you for who you are and how you love us. And today, Lord, there's nothing good that I can add to this time that we have together. Lord, if you don't work... If your spirit is not softening hearts, Lord, if your word is not cutting and working and challenging, Lord, Lord, there's nothing that we can do on our own. And so, Father, today we pray that we would make much of you, Lord, that your word would just do what it's promised to do, not return void. 
And so, Lord, forgive me of any sin in my life that would hinder, that would grieve, that would quench what you're trying to do in this place. And, Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so in the middle of all of this brokenness, in the middle of all this pain, in the middle of all of this loss, please write this down if you're taking notes this morning. We celebrate what God has done. We celebrate what God has done. You say, well, Jake, that doesn't make much sense. Look here, though, in verses 30 through 32. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by by themselves. And so what we see here is, even in the middle of all of this loss, all of this pain, they come back to Jesus and they report all that God has been doing. All the ways that God has been working. Not just in the miracles, but in what they had been telling other people. What they had been teaching them about who God was, who God is in the person of Jesus, how He loves them, how He wants a relationship with them, how they need to repent. And today I want to encourage you that whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through, whatever you are facing, you need to be reminded that God wants us To praise Him when we can. To praise Him where we come. That doesn't mean that we don't feel the pain, the difficulty, the challenge. It doesn't mean that the disciples hadn't faced resistance because Jesus told them, right? Dust your feet off. Go to the next town. It's not the fact that Jesus didn't realize the people that cared about Him the most were rejecting Him, ignoring Him, that they'd tried to kill Him. It it was not lost on Jesus, the simple fact that John's followers had to come and take his corpse away because of what had happened to him. But even in the midst of our challenge, even in the midst of our difficulty, we must never forget to look for the ways that we can praise God. Praise God for how He works. Praise God for how He moves. Sometimes that's through the joy. Sometimes that's through the tears. One of the things that I want to caution us about is when we praise God, we have to do it from a sincere heart. Most of you know that I'm not on Facebook. It's one of the greatest decisions that God ever allowed me to make. But I want to tell you why I got off Facebook. One, I cannot keep stupidity out of my mouth. And so being on a place like that where you can put all of your stupidity out as quickly as it comes out, it's not good, all right? But second of all, a few years ago, I was in a situation where I was trying to help a a couple, trying to help with their marriage, okay? And so as I would meet with them and counsel them, it was all about how terrible the husband was, it was all how terrible he was being, how she was going to leave him and she was going to the lawyer the next day and it was all decided, everything was like it was going to be and, you know, it was okay. Not that it was okay in the sense of right or wrong, It was just, that was the way it was. So I open up my phone that day, and I'm scrolling through Facebook like a mindless zombie, like so many of us do. And here is this 18-paragraph statement about how wonderful the husband is, how wonderful the marriage is, how wonderful everything is, how God has just worked and moved and blessed, and, and I vomited in my mouth. And I thought, I can't do it anymore. I cannot see one thing here and another thing here. 
It's making me bitter. It's making me angry. It's making me just want to just vomit. And so that was the day that I, whatever you do to, to not be on it anymore. And, and because why? We don't hide our pain as Christians. We don't hide the fact that we're sinners. We can't gloss over the struggles that we have. They're there. God knows they're there. God knows your heart. God knows your pain. God knows your situation. And so if you have to praise Him in the tears, God's okay with that. If you have to praise Him with there's difficulty and there's the question of why and there's some anger, God understands. What God wants from us is to come humbly. What God wants from us is to draw near to Him. And so today, whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you have, whatever sin that you're dealing with, know today that God knows it. God knows your pain. God knows the burden. But yet what He wants for you to do is come to Him honestly. That's what they did, right? They came to Him and what? Reported to Him. You see, we don't report to Him in that sense, but we do bring our petitions, our concerns, our prayers that's why the Bible says when you don't know how to pray, when whatever burden you're going through in the book of Romans is so great that you cannot even utter a word, the Holy Spirit that is within you takes that request to the Father. It doesn't mean that you just mumble stupid stuff that you don't understand. No. What that verse means is when you cannot pray, when the pain, the loss, the brokenness, the confusion is so much... That there are not words to get out. God knows. The spirit that lives within you groans to him. And so today what I want to encourage you to do is to celebrate who he is and what he's doing. Hebrews the 13th chapter verse 15 says it like this. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our Lips, giving thanks to His name. Whether it's through song, whether it's in the privacy of our own home, whether it's in the privacy of our prayer closet, we celebrate Him. We thank Him for what He does, even in the challenges. The second thing I want to show you from this passage of Scripture this morning is, we must never forget the compassion that God has. We must never forget the compassion that God has. Because look here in verse 33. But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew Him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to Him. And Jesus, when He came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat." You see, when we look at this chapter and we see all that has been going on and we see this, these few verses about them reporting to Him and celebrating to Him, the very next thing that we see though is that Jesus looks out at this multitude of people and He has compassion for them. 
And friends, that has not changed. When the Lord looks at our situation, our brokenness, our pain, our loss, our confusion, He is moved with compassion. The Lord cares about His people. Most of these people, if not almost all of them, would be the same people in a few short months who would be yelling what? Crucify Him! But yet here He is knowing all things as God. Knowing their brokenness, knowing their pain, knowing their rejection, knowing their hearts, but yet was still moved with compassion. That's why the Bible tells us that Christ did not die for the godly, but for the ungodly. You see, Christ understands the struggles that we have, the sins that we have. That is why He is moved with compassion. That's why the message was repent. Friends, I don't know how else to say this other than the simple fact that sin always has consequences. Always. You say, Jake, what does it matter if I tell this lie? What does it matter if I have this lustful thought? What does it matter if I disobey God's word here? It always has consequences. And the way that we know that is because the Lord came to take the punishment for what? Sin. The consequence of sin. Separation from God in an eternity called, place called hell. But not just the eternal consequences of sin. We know that sin has a temporary cost. It has a cost on this earth. And so what we need to know is when God looked out over them, He didn't see their hunger food-wise that was the main issue. He didn't look out over them and see that their physical needs were the greatest issue of compassion. After it says He was moved with compassion for them, what did He do? The very next thing that He did was that He taught them. He taught them. What is the message He has been teaching? What is the message that the disciples have been teaching? Repent. What was the message that John the Baptist had taught? Repent. Why? Because the greatest gift that God gives us is not only the forgiveness of sin, but it is the ability as a child of God not to live a perfect life, but to flee from sin. You say, well, Jake, no one lives perfect. You're right. But I am telling you as a child of God, the longer you serve Him, the more you love Him, you ought to be seeing victory over certain sins in your life. You say, Jake, I've always had a temper. I've always had pride. This is just the way I am. God's not going to change me. God's not going to work on me. I am how I am. That is a lie. Because why? Sanctification is the process of God making you more and more like Jesus. Are you going to struggle with sin till the day that you die? Absolutely. But friends, there ought to be some victories in your life. Man, I could have opened my mouth and put my foot all the way down it, but I didn't. Man, I used to get angry over a situation like this, but now I've been praying. I used to let my mind and my eyes wander, but not anymore. The Lord has given me victories in my life. That's what Jesus was teaching them, to repent, to repent, to believe, to trust Him. And so this morning when you and I think about the problems that we have in this world and the problems we have in this church, 
the problems you have in this marriage, the greatest problem that you will always battle is sin. The selfishness, the struggle that we have. So when Jesus was moved with compassion for them, He says like sheep without a shepherd. They needed Him. They needed to believe on Him. But they needed to repent. That is why every word in here, whether it was John, whether it was the disciples, is the message of repentance. And friends, this morning, if you and I could just understand that, that even the little sin in our life, even the selfish moments of our life, even the moments where we're not teachable, put us in a place where we'll find no joy, where we'll find no peace. And so... Psalms, the 86th chapter, says it like this in verse 15. Psalm 86, verse 15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. Don't miss that. Mercy and truth. You see, friends, you can come to church and you can sing the songs and you can want the mercy of God and celebrate the forgiveness of God, but are you allowing the truth of God's Word to change you, to teach you, to make you who God wants you to be? God does not want you to leave the same way that you came because the Word of God is either drawing you closer to Him or it is hardening your heart. The Spirit of God is even is either you are either yielding to it more and more or you are quenching it more and more. Third and final thing, and this is where we get to the fun part, right? This is where we see the miracle, the power of God on display. And so we must understand that He still has the power to work. You have to believe that God still has the power to work. Look here at verse 37. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. Now this is an interesting statement. You. Now if you remember, where did the disciples just come from? They just come from preaching and doing miracles. Casting out demons. Healing the sick. These were the things they were just telling him that God had used them for. And so he says, well, feed them then. You've just done all these great things. The power of God has been on you. Feed them. And look where their mind immediately goes. It doesn't go to the miraculous power of God. It doesn't go to what God possibly could do to show up and show off. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? You say, well, what kind of lack of faith is that? Why didn't they just handle it? Don't be getting over-spiritual and special this morning. You and I struggle with the same thing. How many times does God's Word tell us to step out in faith and we say, well, I would, but. Or God says, hey, I want you to go pray for that person. I want you to go witness to that person. I want you to go be a blessing to that person. And you say, well, I, I, uh, but. You see, that's what we see here. The disciples had just seen all that God could do through them, but yet their faith was so still weak. It was so still inadequate that their first thought was not how can God meet this need, but how can we physically meet this need. And friends, we do not operate in a kingdom that is just of this world. We operate 
in a, in a spiritual warfare, right? We battle not against flesh and blood. We know that we have a God who can work exceedingly and abundantly and greatly more than we can ever imagine. And so verse 38 it says, But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to go and make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties, and then he had taken the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all, so that all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Now, if you know anything about this story, this word for men just means male. So if there were 5,000 men, there were up to possibly 5,000 women, maybe 10,000 women if you take married and unmarried. If you take 5 plus 10 and then the children that were there, you're looking at possibly between 20 and 25,000 people. And you've got five loaves and two fish. You say, well, why would you have five big brunny bread loaves and two fish? Well, no, it's not a big loaf of bread, right? Mom didn't send this child with five big loaves of bread and two little fish. They would have been crackers, small biscuit-like crackers and two fish. It was like your mom packed you a school lunch, right? You'd ate the crackers and you'd ate the pickled fish, probably something like that. It would have been a snack, a lunch for a child. Or a grown man, apparently, if you were not like me, that wanted to eat. It's a small portion here. And what God does is He multiplies it. But He doesn't just multiply it. You need to know that. He created it. These are fish that these are people are eating that have not grown up in a pond or a lake. This is bread that someone hasn't baked over, right? This is food that God is making almost like manna from heaven. Best meal you'd have ever ate. It's a meal not affected by sin, right? The Bible tells us that even creation is affected by sin. The power of God on display to work and to move. Now this chapter is amazing all in itself because when we come to the end of this, we know that there are leftovers, right? There are 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish. If you notice from the next story, there are some people get on a boat and they go across the water. Guess how many there was? 12. So not only did the Lord provide for what they needed, He gave each of the disciples what they would need for the journey that came Next. Come on, I know you're dead this morning. I know you're looking at me. But that is extremely good. God did not just meet the need that they had. He provided for what came next. And friends, so many times in our life we think, God, if you can just get me through this. God, if you can just get me through this. If you can just get me through today. If you can just get me through this episode. If you can just get me through this struggle. And what you need to know is the Lord has not only provided what you need for this, but He has provided for what comes next. Even if you don't see it, even if you don't know it, God is at work many steps ahead of where you and I are. God already knows what comes tomorrow.
God already knows what comes next week. God already has provided for the situations that we face. And so when we look at this miracle, we look at the fact that it's only one of two, right? The resurrection and the feeding. The only two mentioned in all four Gospels. Why is that? Because why? They're leading a shepherd and the Bible says that he is the great shepherd. He alone. We know that they are needing to be fed. We know that he is the bread of life. We know that He taught them the truth, and yet He is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, we are constantly reminded in this chapter of pain and difficulty and challenges that if God is at work, and when God is moving, and when God has a purpose and plan for your life, you can only trust Him. Trust Him. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when you don't understand it, even when you don't even like it. I'm sure John the Baptist, when he was preaching to Herod, thought, boy, I hope this causes me to lose my life. doesn't say that in the text. It just says he kept preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching wherever he was, whoever was listening, that Herodias and Herod were living in sin. The disciples, when Jesus sent them out, did he tell them they were going to do great things? Yes, but also that they were going to face resistance. When Jesus went to his hometown and took his disciples, remember he went this time, but the last time they had tried to throw him off a cliff. The Lord sees and works in the struggles. The Lord sees and works abundantly in what we could ask. But the most heartbreaking thing about this entire passage of Scripture is that in the hearts of people it made very little difference. If you look a little bit ahead, which we won't today, you're going to know something that when they went through the storm on the water and they got to the other side, everybody shows up and as John MacArthur states in his commentary, he says, everybody showed up looking for free breakfast and the Lord didn't provide a free breakfast. First thing he starts teaching is, in chapter 7, is about sin and wickedness in the hearts and If you have a title to your chapter, it probably says defilement comes from within. He starts right out by saying, this external stuff is not what matters. It's what you believe about Him. It's the sin that you have in your heart. You see, the miracles of Jesus were always to prove that He is who He says He is. That's the purpose of the miracles. That's the purpose of God doing miracles in your life. And in mine, yes, we celebrate the miracles. We celebrate what God does. We celebrate how God heals. We celebrate how God protects. We celebrate all of those things. But never forget, if it's not about drawing you closer to Jesus or pointing someone else to Jesus, the miracle, you've missed the point. And that's hard. Same thing about a worship service, the songs, the music, the instruments, the sermons. It can all be great. But if it doesn't point you to Jesus and to a relationship with Him, you've missed the point. This morning I say all of that because many of you would say, Well, Jake, I suffer through your sermons every week. I sit through the most boring Sunday school class that you've ever been a part of. I serve in the nursery. I serve on the kitchen committee. I'm the chairperson of the underwater basket weaving committee. I give my money. Jake, I have been baptized. I'm all of these things. But friends, if you don't know Jesus, really know Him, 
none of it matters. If you don't have a relationship with Him, and that's what these individuals missed, it was great to be fed, it was great to see the miracle, but yet it was all about pointing them to the fact that He was who He said He was. And that when they looked back at His life, they would remember that that is who He is. And friends, this morning I ask you that. Do you really know Him this morning? You say, well, Jake, I've seen prayers answered. God's worked in my life. God's worked in my family. That's great. But do you know Him? You say, well, Jake, I prayed a prayer when I was a little kid in vacation Bible school. It's not what I asked you. Do you know Him? The Bible says that you can know that you are a child of God. Not think, not question, not maybe, but that you can know, the writer of John says. John says you can know that you belong to Him. And this morning, in all the struggles that you've had, all the miracles that you've seen, what good does any of it do if you don't really know Him? And so this morning, that's my great challenge to you. Celebrate what God is doing in your life. Never forget the compassion and mercy that He has. And never forget that God still has the power to work in whatever the situation you're going through or that you will go through. He is able. Father, we thank You so very, very much for who You are, how You work. Lord, I pray this morning that as this church and so many families have struggled, Lord, as there has been just constant seemingly challenged and lost over this season, that you would help us to turn to you. Lord, I pray this morning that you would remind us that you're able to work and to move. But Lord, help us to see through all of the other stuff to see you. Lord, I pray this morning for that person who feels like you don't care. Lord, for that person who feels like maybe you've abandoned them. Lord, that your compassion and mercy would be on display. Lord, help us to celebrate. Help us to sing your praises, Lord, for how you love us and how you care for us. Lord, today, most importantly, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit is working in hearts. Lord, that each and every one of us can respond to you, Lord. That yes, we love you. Yes, that we know you. Or today, Lord, we can say, no, we don't. I've never truly been saved. But today I'm ready. Lord, whatever that looks like in this place today, whether it's prayer of thanksgiving, repentance, Lord, that it would take place for your glory. And Lord, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.